This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Hey Snoopy, we're home from school. <laughs> Hi there, fella. Gosh, it's good to see you. Oh, Snoopy, you're so adorable. Okay, Snoopy, back on your doghouse. I'll be out later with your supper. I think Snoopy's such a wonderful dog. Me too. He's just about the best there is. <laughs> they like me. I think they're swell. Isn't it remarkable? Yeah. How things turn out so well. Pleasant day, pretty sky, life goes on, here I lie, not bad, not bad at all, <laughs> cozy home, board and bed, sturdy roof beneath my head, not bad, not bad at all Faithful friends Always near me Bring me bones Scratch my ear Little birds Come to cheer me Every day Sitting here On my stomach With their sharp little claws Ow. Usually cold Occasionally painful, oh, but sometimes there's so many that I can hardly stand it! Rats! I feel every now and then that I gotta bite someone. I know every now and then what I wanna be. It was so far down to the ground from here. Hmm. Let me see. Where was I? Oh, that's right. The pretty sky. Not bad. Not bad at all. Cozy home, board and bed, sturdy roof beneath my head. Not bad, not bad at all. Not bad, not bad at all. 
if it will snow tonight. Kilda Theatre Nerds, it's us, Mel and Mike. You're backstage on Free FM 89.0. It's so nice to be back. Oh, I missed hearing you say that. I mean, it was great to have Jono last week, but um, yeah, yeah no, nothing like the real Mel. How, nothing like the real <laughs> deal. How was last week? What did I miss? Tell me everything. Of course you were missed. And, you know, Jono would also agree that uh, ain't nothing like having the real thing here. But he was great. Jono was great last week. I invited him in at the sort of 11th hour and said, hey, mate, you know, why don't you come in? I've got a vacant seat. And we've got a show to do, and we can talk about blah, 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 blah. And he was into it. So it cool. was great. And John O'Freeburn, our biggest fan, um, <laughs> you know, he's a real fanboy of the show. And He's a good laugh, and he's a good guy. So dependable. Yeah, and he loves was, theatre. Yeah, it was really great to have him in here. And uh, as he said, it was his fourth appearance. What did you guys talk about? We discussed uh, all manner of things, you know, affairs of state, matters of the heart, that sort of thing. But in theatrical terms, we were talking about how to manage dying on stage. Oh. You know, just about every show you can think of, somebody dies, right? Yeah, that's so interesting. Mm. And whether it's a play or a musical or whatever, and whether it's heavily stylized or... Whatever, there are, there are things to watch out for. Things that can make dying awkward, difficult, uncomfortable, yeah. unbelievable or whatever. So we, we covered off a lot of that sort of stuff. Oh, damn, that's such a good subject. Have you not checked out the podcast yet, Mel? Well, I haven't, but I thought I might join our listeners, those of them who haven't checked out last week's episode, and catch up on accessmedia.nz. Actually, I'm going to go to Spotify because that's where I get my podcasts. Yeah, I'm going to listen because that's a great subject matter. Can I strongly recommend that you do? I, I will be doing that. Well, it's much easier to do when you don't have to listen to your own voice. I know. You know yeah, you don't you feel like, like... I don't listen back to stuff we've done on purpose terribly much. Mm. Sometimes I go looking for something, but I don't make a habit of listening to everything that I do because, he, you know, that's... <laughs> I listen it's always to, self-conscious. I think I listen to more of this because I know you do... When we're not live, I know you do some fun things in the editing room, which mm. I like to listen out for. Sometimes I do. Uh, yeah, sometimes you do. <laughs> I like it. Uh, what has been... What's new in the theatre world? Um, you're rehearsing Blood Brothers. I'm really excited about Blood Brothers. I yeah. think it is going to be an absolutely outstanding show. So I people should book their tickets. Get into them because they're available now. And, yeah. you know, we're, we open on the... Um, Fourteenth of May, mm-hmm. so we're getting into the last month, and it's really picking up a lot of momentum now and a lot of pace. And uh, Angela Walker is doing an incredible job with her vision of what the story is and how the characters need to be, and really concentrating on the truth of what it's all about. Cool. And it's a, such a great, dramatic, and powerful story that I think audiences are going to be spellbound. They're going to love it. They're going to be tearful. They're going to be emotional. But they're going to think, "Wow, this is great theatre," because it will be. It is one of those shows that you can't help but leave having felt something. Yeah, an, you're affected, eh? It's an exceptionally emotional show. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but did I, I've told you that Angela directed my first show, my first show ever. Eh? Yes. Gosh, she's wonderful. Well, that I was love Bye her. Bye Birdie, right? She hasn't aged today. That was Bye Bye Birdie <laughs> literally like 19 years ago. Oh, that's been really good to connect with her on, on this for me because uh, she's another one that's been through drama school years and years and years ago. Yeah. Knows her stuff and is, um, you know, a theatre practitioner from way back. She's got really high standards, really good grasp of what works on stage and imparting that to a bunch of younger people watching her work is just really really good stuff do you know who i can't wait to see on stage is bloody laurie johnson yeah he for those joined us for those of you who don't know laurie is oh he's 
one of HMT's director extraordinaires um, doesn't often get on the stage, but when he does, it's quite momentous. Um, and I'm really looking forward to seeing He's got Ryan a pro role in this as Mr. Lyons. And it, funnily enough, the other week when I was at the theatre waiting my turn to get into rehearsing a scene, I was browsing through all the images on the wall there of past shows, and Laurie's face pops up a few times. Just a few, eh? Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Much, much younger. Go and do a show at Rivoli if you want to know what we're talking about. <laughs> the pictures are uh, both hilarious and incriminating. Yeah, a bit of both, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we've got that on the go. That opens 14th of May, as I said. Um, we have geezers sitting in the background ready to start rehearsing in July because that hits the stage 20th of August. So we were pretty close to opening. Yeah, before, you're before almost we ready. Were affected. So that just suffered a bit of a shift in time i'm hoping the cast is going to be all go for that and after that i have saturday night fever Woo-hoo. simmering on a back pot as well night which is fever. going to be the christmas show for Riverly theater and <laughs> i can see you getting into the disco mood already. <laughs> jonathan hawthorne is going to be musical director and amelia jennings is choreographer and there's me as director we're looking for a young and energetic cast to take us into november december with what's going to be a real music and dancing extravaganza. It's going to be good fun. Oh, cool. That, and that's pretty classic for a Rivley Christmas show, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's what it's all about. The singing and the dancing and the singing along. And then I'll retire. Anywho. <laughs> I've heard that before. As I've said before, you uh, recently suffered a wedding. <laughs> suffered, you reckon? Yeah. No, I'm kidding. You recently had a fabulous wedding and got yourself a hyphen in your name, got yourself a brand new wife, and you've just been on a wonderful honeymoon. You look absolutely radiant. Good to have you back. Radiant. Mm. Uh, I'm really happy. They say that nothing really changes, and it doesn't, but also it kind of does. Yeah, fundamentally. You know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, th- I-, I feel a little changed. And it's, like, it's almost like getting to fall in love all, all over again. Like you sort of remember why you're, you want to spend your life with someone. You know, there's something about standing there in front of other people and, you know, making your declarations about why you're together and what your hopes are for the future. That is saying it out loud, I think, is recommitting yourself to something. Yeah, I think that's a good way, a really nice way of putting it. But yeah, we had a beautiful day surrounded by a lot of our loved ones. Not everyone we loved could be there, unfortunately, because COVID. But it was beautiful. We went up north for our honeymoon. We went right up to the top of the North Island to the lighthouse. And then we camped and we stayed in Paihia. And then we stayed in a flash apartment in Auckland. And it was very fancy. Just to cap it all off. Just to cap it all off. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we had a lovely time. Didn't do anything other than just rest. Well, I did see a couple of emails that came from you as president of Hamilton Musical Theatre. So I may have done a tiny little tiny bit of work. Tiny little bit of work here. Tiny, tiniest little bit. And then came back to a new job. So much has changed in your life in the last few weeks. It's kind of <laughs> mind-boggling, really. Yeah, I think I said this last time I, we talked. Um, yeah, but it was all still so fresh then. As, now uh, you've had a couple of weeks to think about within it. Within the space of a month, I got a wife, a new job, partner play. Mm. I just do it to myself. I'm a glutton for punishment. Yeah. As are you. Yeah. But, you know, we, we keep coming back for more. That's that's what the curse of it is, because <laughs> yeah. you keep smiling and coming back and wanting to do some more all over again. Yeah. Well, excellent. I'm I'm really pleased that you've come back rejuvenated and ready to tackle all these wonderful challenges that lie ahead. Well, it's just life. We live every day as if it's our last. 
or something. Yeah, it's kind of kind of dark, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And it, I'll uh, go there. Speaking of not dark, we have a little snippet of Diane Connors, an interview that you did with her. Yeah, I had a fairly long conversation with Diane Connors, who is president of Thames Music and Drama, Thames Mad, as they call themselves. She's also director of their production of Mamma Mia, and we had quite a long discussion, part of which I used last week in the show. But I thought there's more that she had to say about, especially being mm. a smaller society getting through COVID, all that sort of stuff, what, what kind of approach they've got and everything. She had some really nice things to say, so we'll be airing a bit more of that a bit later on in the show today. Cool, love that. And also catching up for both of us, I guess, fairly well, um, trying to find out what's going on around the region in terms of theatre, because with the move to Orange, all that sort of stuff happening, things are now opening up and gathering pace again, but I feel like we've been here before. That's interesting you should say that. I was feeling a little bit of a, am I hyping myself up for a false sense of security (laughs) um, recently? Because as you'll notice this week, we've got quite a lot on the list of what's on around the place soonish and quite a lot in the way of auditions and opportunities, more so than usual. Yeah, I think so. And I guess we just have to keep living and keep doing the thing and hope for the best. Yeah, just pace ourselves through it. And a bit later on, I'll give you all the stuff you need to know about our musical of the week, which by our opening song, Snoopy, you may have gathered is You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown. I don't know You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown at all. I would have drawn the obvious conclusion that it was... Snoopy, Charlie Brown related, and you'd be right. But I, yeah, I actually would never have assumed that otherwise. Really, I have. So I, you hadn't I, been exposed to it before. Well, I just thought it was one of those funny old sixties musicals that they called "You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown," and I was just <laughs> never interested. <laughs> yeah, it is based on the Peanuts comic strip, and uh, it's a feel-good, really lightweight kind of show. But I thought for our first show back, let's do something a little bit, you know, smiley. So how do they? Do they? How do they, does a guy just play Charlie Brown and he looks like Charlie Brown? Or? Not necessarily, but more about that a bit later. Okay, okay, anyway, okay. Anyway, excitingly, all the loos at the Meteor are just about ready to be christened or debuted, by the <laughs> meaning that they have got a lineup of work ready to come at us as well in terms of productions. One of the first things uh, is a stage adaptation of Tracy Slaughter's novella, The Longest Drink in Town. Five kids confront the failure of their family unit on the side of the road in small town New Zealand. The dark, deep family drama traces the trauma of five children caught in the fallout of a tumultuous parental affair turned wife swap and a weekend kid swap gone wrong, if you can follow all that. Mm. It's presented by One Question Theatre and the Mayhem Literary Journal. It's co-directed by Dave Taylor and Liam Hinton, who is coincidentally the author's son, and offers a hard-hitting look into the dark side of the quintessential Kiwi childhood. I have read the novella, and it is dark, but a good read. It is a good read. Okay. Sounds like a perfect material for turning into a stage show. I I think so. I think... It's very what um, one question. It's very much what they do. Mm. It's sort of the darker stuff. But it's usually pretty good. Cool. Yeah, go check them out. Obviously, it's time to take note of everything you want to see with our list of what's coming up around the place soonish. Big breath. Here we go. The Meteor, the longest drink in town. Just been talking about that. Directed by Liam Hinton and Dave Taylor, April 27th to the 30th. Hysterical, created and performed by Carrie Rudzinski and Olivia Hall, May the 5th and 6th. The Sherpa and the Beekeeper, written and directed by Matt Kambick, opening May the 26th, running to the 29th. 
His Girl Friday is presented by Cinema Improviso, May the 7th. And That Bloody Woman coming up at the end of August, directed by Courtney Mayle and Kyle Chewin for Bold Theatre. Early bird tickets are already on sale for that now. Over the way at Rivoli Theatre, uh, we've been talking about Blood Brothers, directed by Angela Walker for Hamilton Musical Theatre. That's coming up May 14th to the 28th. And Sherlock Holmes and the Baker Street Irregulars for Playbox is directed by Glenn Matthews. That's from July the 2nd to the 16th. Come see Mel back on stage once again. Clarence Street Theatre has Shrek the Musical, directed by Nick Wilkinson, July the 19th to the 23rd, and Krishnan's Dairy, presented by Indian Inc., back again September the 8th to the 10th. Over at the Gallagher Academy of Performing Arts at the University of Waikato, the Three Sisters by Anton Chekhov is being presented by the third-year theatre study students. That's June the 9th and 10th. Navarra Lounge, open mic night tonight and every Wednesday. Doors open from 6, but you need to book if you want to perform. Thursday the 21st, the Swamp Dogs are playing for Americana Thursday. 8.30 start for them. And this Sunday, the 24th, The World's Wife, a rehearsed play reading presented by the Carving and Ice team. That starts at 5 o'clock. That sounds like it'll be good too. Yeah, I think it will. At the Woolshed Theatre in Te Aumuru, Tell Us a Story is presented by the Te Aumuru Light Operatic Society. They go to stage in June. Te Aroha Little Theatre have confirmed that Death and Taxes by April Phillips has finally been given the go-ahead under Orange, opening Thursday, June the 23rd. The Gaslight Theatre have Conjugal Rights by Roger Hall coming up. That opens on April the 30th and runs until May the 14th. And they have, following that, The Things I Know to Be True by Andrew Boville, directed by Chrissy Hodkinson. That goes to stage July 30th through to August the 13th. Matamata Dramatic Society, Any Port in a Pandemic, written by local man Richard Previtt, May the 7th to the 14th. The Patadadu Theatre Players have Moonshine back on the go, a hillbilly musical that's on stage mid-May. Tim's Music and Drama, Mamma Mia, directed by Diane Connors, May the 28th they open, running to June the 4th. Rotorua Musical Theatre have stricken through the 70s coming up, that's directed by Shona Clout, July 15th through to the 30th. Onifero Society of Performing Arts has Peninsula by Gary Henderson, directed by Jess and Scott Lorimer, opening May the 28th to June the 5th. And over in Tauranga at the Detour Theatre, The Old People Are Revolting by Devin Williamson and directed by Kim Williamson. That runs from June the 16th to July the 2nd. Tauranga Musical Theatre have That Bloody Woman, directed by Daryl Nitschke. That opens on April 22nd, closing May 7th. Going to see that on Saturday, actually. I'll report back. I'll be very interested to know. Theatre Whakatane have School of Rock, the musical, directed by Sue Harris, opening 22nd of June, running to July the 9th. And Auckland Theatre Company have an exciting lineup ahead. Scenes from a Yellow Peril by Nathan Joe, directed by Jane Yong. That runs June 21st until July 3rd. Long Day's Journey in Tonight by Eugene O'Neill, directed by Shane Bosher, from July 5th to the 30th. And then The Dawn Raids by Oscar Kitely. That runs August 16th till September the 3rd. Ooh, strong stuff. Mm. Auckland Live has The Wedding Singer, the musical presented by David Venn Enterprises, playing at the Bruce Mason Centre June 30th to July the 17th. And Oliver, presented by the National Youth Theatre, playing in the Kiritakanawa Theatre at the Aotea Centre, July the 1st to the 3rd. Oh, there's a whole lot of stuff coming yeah. up. 
By way of upcoming auditions and opportunities, the Detour Theatre are auditioning for their upcoming season of The Old People Are Revolting, once again directed by Kim Williamson. You can find out how to make an audition appointment by April 21st by checking out the Detour Facebook page. April 21st? That's tomorrow. Gosh. Tauranga Musical Theatre are holding auditions for their 2022 season of We Will Rock You. Gosh, I so wish I could do that. They start this Friday, the 22nd, and running right through the weekend. Tauranga Musical Theatre Facebook page has all the information you need. You might be really lucky if you get in. Yes, I think the spots I think are all the spots have used up. Pretty tight. Morinsville Theatre are auditioning the one-act play Husband Murderer's Support Group, directed by Eckhard Becker. Uh, auditions are on May the 1st, and you can find out more by checking out the Morinsville Theatre Facebook page. The Tararu Theatre Players are auditioning for their 2022 season of Agatha Christie's The Mousetrap. Exciting stuff for them. It's going to be directed by Dave Shaw and auditions are coming up for May the 1st and the 4th. If you're interested, you can search Tararu Theatre Players on Facebook. 16th Ave Theatre in Tauranga are auditioning for the musical Puffs, coined as seven increasingly eventful years at a certain school of magic and magic. Auditions are on May 1st, and you can find out more by checking out 16thavetheatre.co.nz. And finally, the Miss Cadaver Undead Beauty Pageant is taking entries for the final ever Miss Cadaver contest. Entries are open right now and closing August the 1st. Email sandrajensen99 at yahoo.com if you'd like more information. And it's not by any means an exhaustive list, despite how long both it, of those lists were this week. It was exhausting, but not exhaustive. It was not exhaustive. <laughs> so if there is a show or audition opportunity that you want us to spread the word out that we haven't included here, please email us, send us a message on Facebook. Let us know when you see <laughs> us around next. Oh, Lucy, I'm so depressed. Everything is going wrong. I don't know what to do. I'm sorry to hear that, Charlie Brown. Maybe there's something I can do to help. I think what you need most of all is to come right out and admit all the things that are wrong with you. Do you really think that'll help, Lucy? Certainly. Alright, I'll try. I'm not very handsome or clever or lucid. I've always been stupid at spelling and numbers. I've never been much playing football or baseball or stickball or checkers or marbles or ping pong. I'm usually awful at parties and dances. I stand like a stick or I cough or I laugh or I don't bring a present or I spill the ice cream or I get so depressed that I stand and I scream. Oh, Totally, utterly, blah, as me. Well, that's okay for a starter. A starter? Certainly. You don't think that mentioning these few superficial failings is going to do you any good, do you? Why, Charlie Brown, you really have to delve. You're stupid, self-centered, and moody. I'm moody. You're terribly dull to be with. Yes, I am. And nobody likes me. Not Frida or Shermy or Linus or Schroeder. Or Lucy. Or Lucy. Or Snoopy. Or Sni... Now, wait a minute. Snoopy likes me. He only pretends to like you because you feed him. That doesn't count. Or Snoopy, 
Totally, utterly. Wait! You're not very much of a person. That's certain. And yet there is a reason for hope. There's hope. For although you are no good at music like Schroeder or happy like Snoopy or lovely like me, you have the distinction to be no one else but the singular, remarkable, unique Charlie Brown. You're a true friend, Lucy. A true friend. That'll be five cents, please. The Doctor is in from our Musical of the Week. You're a good man, Charlie Brown. I'll have more to say about that in a few minutes or so. This is Backstage with Mel and Mike, and we have often spoken of, you know, the number of small societies and theatre groups around the region that are, really, you know, serving small communities. Patanaru Theatre Players, mm-hmm. good, good case in point. They don't have the opportunity to do much, but they keep putting stuff out there. Well, te- we've talked about Te Aroha, Death in Texas has been postponed a number yeah. of times. They're finally getting to put that on, but small place. Well, last week, though, I did talk at some length with Diane Connors, who is the president of... Thames's Music and Drama. Mad. Mad, yeah. And also is uh, director of their uh, current big production of Mamma Mia, which is opening on the 28th of May. We only included part of that conversation in our, in our discussions last week because of time, I guess. So I thought, looking back on it, uh, that I should share a bit more of that this week. And we got on to the whole subject of that, you know, small organisations. How do they cope? How have they been coping? They've done remarkably well in teams. They have. It's Well, like we just mentioned, Te Aroha has postponed, Onifero postponed. Lots of those small, Pataru, Tokoroa, they're all postponing their shows, but... Thames has managed to just... They just kept producing. Yeah, yeah, keep and pushing I through. And I wasn't asking him for any you know, trade secrets or anything like that. <laughs> but we got onto the subject at one point, uh, which I th- is pretty much where I left it last week, I think. We were talking about understudies, as we have spoken about understudies yeah. here many, many times, and just how they've factored those into this production of Mamma Mia because they? of necessity. Yeah, yeah they had cool. to. They pretty much had to safeguard themselves by doing that yeah and uh, so we were talking about that and talking about how it's made them aware of just how precarious casting can be these days well we took it for granted for a long time didn't we you know if you're sick you come in yeah. if you're unless you're dead you come in bring, the, bring the wheelchair yeah, yeah. that's right um, and we've sort of just been pushing those limits for quite a number of years. So let's pick up that conversation again. There, this is uh, Diane talking about um, you know the importance of thinking along those lines when it comes to productions of any size. No, I do think that's certainly the case for the bigger shows where you've got some huge roles. Um, there's there's a lot more to them. Mamma Mia, there's a lot of songs in it. We did have an incident uh, with another smaller play that we did not so long ago, and. We had somebody who, at the last minute, couldn't couldn't do the show, um, and I'm talking about three days before we opened. Oh, um, and luckily, we had one of our techs, our lighting people, because she'd been there at a lot of the rehearsals. She's been in theatre for a very, very long time. 
Um, it was a modern show, and so we said, look, you can get away with it. Use your phone and just pretend that your your character is looking at their phone because it was a young person, so it just kind of fitted. And she just stepped in, and it was just incredible. We were just so proud of her. We did explain to the audience what was happening in case they thought this was a bit odd. But she learned it so quickly. She said, oh, I just actually was surprised how much I already knew of that part. And the team, the other cast members just supported her if um, she ever got the blank space, they'd feed her a line or move on to the next thing. And um, it worked spectacularly, but that's not what you want to be relying on. <laughs> <laughs> no, but emergencies happen. I have seen plays uh, where somebody's had to go on with a book in hand before. You know, yeah. It happens. It sounds like Mamma Mia is going to be one of the biggest shows that you've done there in quite some time. I'm wondering what this is doing in terms of your plans moving forward. Is this kind of like testing the waters to see how big you can go and whether you may be looking at other more challenging ideas for the future? It could very well do. We we did uh, Beauty and the Beast about four years ago, and that was our first Disney production that we have done, and that was a huge undertaking for us. So we've had sort of chested the waters with Beauty and the Beast and went, OK, we, we can do this. Um, it is challenging, but we can do this. The other thing that we've had a bit of trouble with the last few years in our uh, smaller community is actually finding um, enough musicians to be able to pull a band together. We did have an orchestra for Beauty and the Beast, which was, you know, we thought was absolutely essential, and we do have a full live band for Mamma Mia. Wow, um, that's, Previously, that's... we have used backing tracks where we've needed to. That's huge for you. Yeah, yeah, it is. The band is really amazing. We've got our band leader pulled together, talented local people who could play several instruments. Um, so we've got about seven in the band who play about 12 different instruments. So in this song, they might be playing bass guitar, then they might be playing the drums, and then they might be playing the keyboards on another one. So we just learnt to work smarter um, and utilise some very wonderfully talented people that we do have locally um, and pulled a, a, a wonderful uh, band together who will actually play on our stage. We've decided that they are Donna's Tavern's local band, so we've put them on the stage as part of it and uh, that, that'll be really lovely for them too to not just be somewhere else but actually part of the live action that's happening. Oh nice, it sounds like you're doing it your way which I, I think is wonderful. It is, it's about, I mean anyone who's in theatre you know you have to be creative, um, you have to figure out new ways of doing things and with COVID I think that's just been more challenging for a lot of societies. We were really interested to notice after the sort of first year of things that we had done quite well with actual shows that we'd managed to put on in 2020 when it all hit us. Um, being as a smaller society, we actually found that we have probably survived a little bit better than perhaps some of the other bigger societies like Hamilton or the, the cities because we can put on smaller shows in our own little space we managed to get away with one the first year of 2020 called Up the Duff, which was locally written. We do have about three playwrights locally that do things. So that keeps costs down and made it easy to be able to shift things um, when COVID hit. We were due to put Up the Duff on in April. Two weeks before we opened, we went into lockdown and so we shifted it out to about September, October. Now, we did that with audiences of 35 because of the spacing and the limited numbers that we had to do. But we made money on that. Yeah, well, right. As um, you say, with a smaller society, your overheads are a little bit lower, aren't they? Absolutely. Um, we used our own space and, um, yeah, we were able to just delay stuff. We didn't have to pay venue costs and all those other things. It was a modern show, so we didn't have a complicated sets. 
and yeah, that made us easy. I th- we think we were a little bit more resilient, so we're quite lucky that way. That you know, while we've had some limitations over the years in this current climate, I think we are able to be a little bit more versatile. And I really feel for those huge societies that have done months of work and then had to cancel productions. Um, it just is gut wrenching for everybody involved. What you've demonstrated, I think, Diane, is that uh, you know, Thames Music and Drama is uh, small but very nimble and therefore able to kind of roll with the punches pretty well. What's your normal routine? Do you normally do a musical once every two years or, or how does it work? We do a musical every year and then we usually do two or three plays um, or a smaller musical in our rooms as well. So, yeah, so usually the smaller musicals would be a children's production. But yeah, we, we do quite well for ourselves. So, so we've built up quite a good little strong resource of local playwrights and local directors. Um, for a while there, there was just me um, and it was quite tiring and exhausting and you burn yourself out. If you're the only director, it's hard to do four shows a year. Um, you just no, go from gosh, one yeah. to another and you just don't get a break and you start to run out of fresh ideas. So it's really great that we've, we've got about four people and we're always encouraging others to come through, run director workshops. We're always looking for new people to come through and step up. Um, We do the same thing with our technical support. Um, We've got young people who um, assist with our productions. The youngest one was 10 and she'll be helping out with this production as well. She's so on to it, lovely Lucy. Where people uh, show an interest in something, we will mentor them and encourage them in that area and say, hey, look, this is what you want to do. We'll we'll show you how to do it. And we've had stage managers that were teenagers um, for full productions before. So, yeah, we do, wherever we can, we give people opportunities. We support them and mentor them and build up their confidence to be able to do other things within the stagecraft that they are interested in. That's Diane Connors, president of Thames's MAD, Music and Drama, and director of their production of Mamma Mia. And I really love that they are maximising what they do best, mm. you know, and trying to avoid the pitfalls, making best use of what they've got, and actually being really, really productive. You know, they made money during COVID, which is that's pretty amazing, in well, spite of everything. They're, they're, they're doing good stuff. And they're just really, have got a really positive attitude about just getting on with things. I really love that and I I love the fact that they are aiming to do more than what they're capable of doing but what they are capable of doing they want to do really really well. I hope the community turns out in droves to go and see Mamma Mia because they really deserve a sell on that one. I do too and I also think a few societies could take a leaf out of their book when it comes to, you heard her talk there about how they mentor younger people you know talking about one of their upcoming stage managers only being the age of 10. Mm. Uh, Someone that they've identified early on that they can bring into teenage years and keep with the society keep them active keep them involved keep them interested Teach and keep them. that passion alive yeah yeah i really admire that and that's something well i think all societies could do a little bit more of come on give me a t, t. give me an e. e give me an a, a. give me an m. m what do you got t, t.
You'll never guess what happened today at the baseball game. It's hard to believe what happened today at the baseball game. I was the manager, Schroeder was catcher, and all of the team was the same as always. But somehow or other, disaster struck at the baseball game. what I mean. Three balls, two strikes, the bases were loaded with two men out. I pinched my curve, but somehow he hit it, a good strong clout. Lucille hollered, it's coming right at you, she caught it as easy as pie, then dropped it. I don't think it's good for our team's morale their manager cry. Snoopy helped out by biting a runner and catching the ball in his teeth. Linus caught flies from a third story window by holding his blanket beneath. Yes, we had fortitude, no one could argue with that. And one run would win us Charlie Brown, we're all behind you. Sort of. I mean, this kid can't pitch. He pitches like my grandmother, Charlie Brown. Now all you have to do is bear down. Just bear down. And when you get to first, watch me for my signals. Got it, Flash? And the championship is ours. Men were on with two outs and me with one strike to go. Then I saw her, this cute little red-headed girl I know. Firmly I vowed I would win it for her, and I shouldered my butt and I saw. Dear pen pal. I'm told where you live is really quite far. Would you please send directions on how I can get where you are? Your friend, Charlie Brown. You're backstage with Mel and Mike, thanks to 890 Free FM and Creative Waikato. That was T E A M from Musical of the Week. You're a good man, Charlie Brown, which, as I've already mentioned, I know literally nothing about. <laughs> like I said, I obviously make the Charlie Brown connection, but until today, I had no idea it was actually a Charlie Brown musical. Oh, well, I love when I can tell you something that you don't know. Well, then, it's please take it I away. Every- I, honestly, I thought everybody knew about this show. 
I've not, seen it probably me. about three times, and each time it's been slightly different because it has... Where does it even changes. get produced? That's the question, yeah. You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown, is a 1967 musical comedy with music and lyrics by a guy called Clark Gesner, based on the characters obviously created by cartoonist Charles M. Schultz in his highly successful comic strip syndicated throughout the world, Peanuts. The musical has been a popular choice for amateur theatre productions uh, because of its requirement of a very, very small cast and simple staging. You don't need much to be able to put this show on. And all you need musically even is a piano. You know, if you're going to have an orchestra, a piano is enough. But if you've got a 16-piece orchestra, you could do that too. Is it a good show? It's okay. But when I say that, it sounds like I'm dissing it. I'm not. It's not aiming to be anything more than what it is. Okay. Okay, and I'll, you'll probably get more of that as I tell you more about its history. Yeah, I'll shut up. Because it it's, it's, the background of it is really what's interesting. I'm not going to waste time on the plot. <laughs> John Gordon was the name credited with the book of the show, but according to Gessner's foreword in the published script, John Gordon is just a collective pseudonym that covers Gessner, the cast members, and all the production staff, all of them, who worked together to assemble a script in the very first workshop days. Oh, cool. Yeah, really cool. Mm. The original cast included uh, Bob Balaban, Gary Berghoff, Bill Hennant, Skip Hennant, Karen Johnson, and Reva Rose. Only one of those names will make any sense to you, and I'll give you that in a moment. During the early 1960s, Gessner had begun writing songs based on Schultz's Peanuts characters, but was unable to get permission from the United Features Syndicate to use the characters in his songs. They were very protective of what they owned. Mm. Eventually, though, Gessner actually went to Schultz directly, sent him a demo of a recording of one of the songs, and Gessner soon found that he had permission to properly record them, which he did in 1966. At the time, he had no plans for a musical based on this pre-production concept album, but producer Arthur Whitelaw, who would later go on to write another musical based on Peanuts, heard it and encouraged Gessner to turn the album into a proper musical. So they did. As for a plot, well, it's really a simple narrative designed to reintroduce many of the standard Peanuts comic strip scenarios, you know, the stuff everyone knows, like the kicking of the football, losing the kite in the tree, Lucy's relationship with Charlie Brown, she's his tormentor. The whole gang is there, Lucy, hopelessly in love with piano playing Schroeder, Uh who doesn't give her the time of day, perfectionist Sally is still mocking blanket-toting Linus, Snoopy's on the doghouse, Charlie Brown, in his usual unlucky but eternally optimistic self, is peppered throughout the whole thing. Sure. So, so it's a pastiche of little vignettes. Yeah, okay, okay. They span the months from Valentine's Day through to Beethoven's Day, from wild optimism to utter despair. And in the revised version, which I'll get to later, the sweet, joyful innocence of the Peanuts gang is maintained, but a fresh innocence and playfulness is revealed. It got revised a couple of times. Okay. So the stage adaptation of the concept album titled You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown went into rehearsal in New York City February of 1967 and prior to its opening, the musical didn't have a libretto. It was just those vignettes with musical numbers, sort of nothing to link them. The ensemble collaborative approach to creating a working uh, script ensued and on the uh, 7th of March 1967, the musical premiered off-Broadway at Theatre 80 in the East Village, featuring Gary Berghoff as Charlie Brown, Skip Hannant as Schroeder, Reva Rose as Lucy, Bob Balaban as Linus, Karen Johnson as Patty, an early Peanuts character not to be confused with Peppermint Patty, and Bill Hannant as Snoopy. Now, you may be thinking, where have I heard the name Gary Berghoff before? Mm. And the answer is he went on to achieve really long-lasting fame as the character Radar in the oh, TV yeah. series MASH. Yeah, yeah. 
and everybody forgets that he was Charlie Brown. He was Charlie Brown. That's yeah, awesome. Yeah, he was the original Charlie Brown. This production of You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown, lasted 1,597 performances, closing February the 14th, 1971. A U.S. tour in 1970 clocked up about 202 performances. A Broadway production that opened at the John Golden Theatre on the 1st of June, 1971, closed 26 days later after 32 performances and 15 previews. It didn't have long mm. on Broadway, but it was there. Okay. Meanwhile, the musical opened at the West End in London, February the 1st of 1968. It played at the Fortune Theatre for 116 performances until closing after three and a half months. And there was an animated TV special in 1986. So Charles Schultz went ahead and did all the artwork necessary to make an animated version of the musical. It's kind of weird. Okay. The original creator doing something in homage to a musical based on his work. Is Snoopy's Christmas a part of this musical? No, no, nothing at all. Oh. No, that was a shameless piece of horrible music created purely to <laughs> capitalise on the song. Christmas sentiment. We won't go there. <laughs> <laughs> then another US tour began in November 1998, and after the tour ended in January the following year, the revival opened on Broadway in February and closed on June the 13th after playing 14 previews and only 149 performances. It featured some new dialogue by Michael Mayer, who also directed, and also additional songs and orchestration written by Andrew Lippow. In this revival, the character of Patty was replaced with Sally Brown, inspired by the same change that Schultz had made in the 1986 animated TV adaptation. The cast featured Anthony Rapp as Charlie Brown. I love uh, Anthony Rapp. B.D. Wong as Linus. Ilana Levine as Lucy and Stanley Wayne Mathis as Schroeder. Also featured were Kristen Chenoweth and Roger Bart as Sally and Snoopy, respectively, and both of those two won Tonys for their efforts. No way. Way. How have they I never were, heard of this The show was nominated before? for, I think, about six awards. I may be wrong, could be five, but those two won. That 1999 cast appeared on the Rosie O'Donnell show to promote the show, and O'Donnell joined in with the cast to close that episode by performing the finale as the credits rolled. It was wildly liked. Is it for children or adults? Both. Oh, I mean, okay. if, you, if you understand Peanuts, you'll like the show. Okay. Not only if you understand Peanuts, if you understand and like Peanuts, you'll like the show. It- is, is it the nostalgia value? For some people, I guess, yeah. Okay. Yeah. On December the 15th, 2008, a one-night-only benefit performance of Charlie Brown was staged at the Gerald Lynch Theatre at John Jay College in Manhattan for the Make-A-Wish Foundation. And the musical was revived again in 2016 at the Off-Broadway York Theatre Company, and that revival used some young actors from Broadway productions to give them a, a bit of a shot, I guess. It ran from May the 14th to June the 26th that year. Original cast albums have been released for all three versions of the stage show, and the one that we're listening to today is the one that features that 2016 Broadway revival cast. As I said at the start, the show's a popular staple, especially in community theatre, because it's a really small cast, only seven characters. It doesn't need elaborate staging or presentation, and the charm is all in the storyline, the familiar characters and easily listenable music that goes with it. The 2016 off-Broadway production was well-received, with The Village Voice praising the simplistic set and strikingly talented cast. Remember, these are the young ones that were not in starring roles. Walter Kerr in the New York Times called the show a miracle, saying, Almost everything works, because almost everything is effortless. Hmm. But in reviewing the 1999 revival, which is the soundtrack I almost used today, but I decided against it, Playbill Stephen Susskind found it, I'll give you the full quote, overblown and underwhelming. The scenic and musical enhancements were especially harmful, it seemed to me. The unassuming child-sized characters were overwhelmed, which is not to say that the 1999 music department did a bad job. 
It's simply that the concept of a big new you're a good man Charlie Brown worked against the inherent qualities of the material. In other words, they made it bigger than it needed to be. Yeah, right. And in the New York Times, Ben Brantley wrote a lukewarm review as well, pointing out that the real problem is a matter of scale. There's an uncomfortable feeling of dead air that the cast must work much too hard to fill. Songs that were created as droll, low-key character portraits have been reconceived as showstoppers, and the frail, winsome little bodies of these numbers just aren't up to the job. When Linus sings a duet with his famous security blanket, which has been wired to dance on its own, the sequence <laughs> has a flailing, improvised quality that is the stuff of actors' nightmares. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. I want to give one more. Brantley did give some praise to some of the cast, though. He said Kristen Chenoweth's performance as Sally will be the part that should seal her reputation. This glow, cast by a star in the making, gives a real Broadway magic to a show that otherwise feels sadly shrunken. And Roger Bart, in the plum role of Snoopy, the charismatic beagle, incorporates some delightfully dog-like mannerisms. How right he was, <laughs> since they both scored the Tonys for their efforts. And in the face of all that, I'm giving the last word to the creator, Clark Gesner, who said at the time of the show's beginnings, none of the cast is actually six years old, and they don't really look like Charles Schultz's Peanuts cartoon characters. But this doesn't seem to make that much difference once we're into the play because what they're saying to each other is with the openness of that early childhood time and the obvious fact is that they are all really quite fond of each other okay isn't that a nice note that is a nice note so they, they dress up in costumes so that you can easily see who's supposed to be who and you know they obviously identify themselves in dialogue and in songs with who they are sure so but they don't literally have to look like the characters yeah, yeah, because I guess I was imagining, like, you know when you see um, the Easter Bunny at the mall in a big suit? Yeah. I was kind of imagining that. Yeah. Like a big a big Charlie Brown head. No, they don't do that usually. Um, big fact, foamy hands. You know, you think of that bald kid in the cartoon, but... Yeah, um, yeah. It's kind of like, you know, when you when you think of Shrek, you think of the, the cartoon version as the big guy with the big head and everything. When you see him on stage, it's usually a normal-sized person, and it's <laughs> yeah, kind yeah. of a letdown. But with Charlie Brown, I think you can get away with it because you're asking people to step into that realm of fantasy, of of being a cartoon character, of being just in a simple little comic strip. And when they stick to the knitting and get it to that sort of scale, it works. Okay. So I expect you'll see it around at some stage. Somebody I've never heard is of, going to do it somewhere. I've never heard of anyone producer ever. Uh, well, ever in my time of doing theatre. Well, in that case, my work here is done. And that is all I have to say about that. <laughs> Puffs on cigar. Oh. <laughs> uh, well, I really enjoy learning about that. I really enjoy just knowing, finding out about a musical that I don't know anything about. I'm not sure I'm fully convinced, but, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but I'm going to give it a go. I'm going to go turn on the album on the way home. Well, you've had a sample from the songs that we've had on today, and you can see that with Gessner's original treatment of the material, he was really he was really very fond of Charles Schultz's characters mm. and the and the philosophies that were espoused in the Peanuts comic strip. The reason that the comic strip was so successful was because it was often pointing out some of the real ordinary things about life and about human relationships that people identified with and they said actually you know what you know those values are okay and Gessner was true to that his songs are simple like I said you could you could stage this show with a piano and you know no one would care it doesn't need the full Broadway razzmatazz singing dancing all I'm things happening at once kind of treatment yeah I need to listen to it some more I I'm not convinced. It's great for schools. Yes, that's where I could say, and like maybe drama classes who are more musically inclined. Yeah, or uh, 
you know, if you're going to put on a um, school holidays quick musical show, it's an easy one to mount. That'd be a cute one to put on in Navarra Lounge. I reckon there's the space there that would work. Yeah, there are lots of little shows that would be great for Navarra Lounge. I might suggest it to Ivan. Great idea. But then you'll ask me if I want to direct it, and I'll have to say no. <laughs> yeah. so I'm retiring. Anywho. You heard it here first, ladies <laughs> and gentlemen. Mike Williams is retiring. Just kidding, he's not. Uh, <laughs> on that note, thank you, Free FM, as always, for hosting us, and thanks, Creative Waikato, for sponsoring yeah, us. Yeah, we do appreciate that. Backstage is available through accessmedia.nz, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all the usual uh, podcasting platforms. And we promise that Mel will be slamming your Instagram feeds and Facebook stories with all the links that you need to tune in. I will this week, I actually promise. I'll be back here next week with my good friend Mike. We'll have another musical of the week and maybe even an exciting guest. Don't forget to stay home if you're not feeling well. Keep wearing your mask out there and stay classy, theatre nerds. And I thought we should finish today with a really upbeat message. And so the song I've chosen to go out with is Happiness from our musical of the week. You're a good man, Charlie Brown. See you. I don't know, Linus. It looks like an airplane to me, the way the lights are blinking on and off. Schroeder, is that an airplane or a star? I believe that is a star. But it could be a planet. Or maybe even a satellite. It could be a satellite. I wonder... But we'll never know by just standing here. Where are you going? To get a closer look. I like to sit up here after supper time and listen to the sounds of the night. But something seems to be missing. No! In my opinion, that's exactly what it needed. I'm so happy. That little red-haired girl dropped her pencil. It has teeth marks all over it. She nibbles her pencil. She's human. Maybe today hasn't been such a bad day after all. Happiness is finding a pencil. Pizza with sauces. Having the time. Happiness is learning to whistle. Tying your shoe for the very first time Happiness is playing the drum in your own school band And happiness is walking hand in hand Happiness is two kinds of ice cream Knowing a secret Climbing a Catching a firefly, setting him free. Happiness is being alone every now and then. And happiness is coming home again. Happiness is morning and evening, daytime and nighttime too. Happiness.
places Having a sister Sharing a sandwich Getting along Having a sister Singing together Wednesday Is real And happiness Is those who sing With Charlie Brown. For more episodes, use the accessmedia.nz app for iOS and Android devices, or subscribe to this podcast via Spotify, iHeartRadio, or Apple Podcasts. This free FM podcast was brought to you with support from New Zealand On Air.